Hello and welcome to Mortgage Insider from Barclays, the podcast series that delves into the biggest challenges facing the mortgage broking industry. I'm Claire McPhail, a business development manager in the South East. I'm Tony Rimmer, a business development manager from the North West. And in this episode, we're looking at mental health and well-being and some of the challenges that our brokers have faced over the last 12 months. Sarah Tucker is the founder of The Mortgage Mum. She told us about some of the ups and downs she's faced during the pandemic. It's been an incredibly challenging year. I think for me, the biggest challenges have been uh, the relentlessness of it. You know, when you're at home, it's quite hard to get the balance. Um, Your laptop seems to be everywhere you are. Your kitchen becomes your office, becomes your workstation that you cook in and you look after there's so much going on in the rooms of our house that were our sacred place and are now um, part of our working life so it's very difficult to escape work and it's relentless so there's just so much to do all the time I have had so many moments where I thought I can't do this anymore I've picked the wrong job (laughs) I cannot I can't do it like I just it's not worth it because you have all these realisations at times like these. You have this whole people's health is the most important thing. We're clapping the NHS. You know, I haven't seen my nan in over a year. These things are the real things of life. You know, the things that we work so hard for, the things we take for granted is hugging the people we love. All of a sudden they become the most important thing is your health and the people around you that you love. And so when your job is so intense that it takes you away from that whilst you're also realising what's so important in life, it's a real bundle of emotions. And sometimes you just, you focus on the thing you can exit from. You know, that's the only thing we're we're in control of saying, I can't do this anymore. If I take that out of the equation, I'm all right. But it's not real. You know, I've had those moments. I go to bed and in the morning I I think, no, for goodness sake, come on, you're fine. You're going to be able to do this. Um, But it's been a roller coaster, like the hardest I've I've ever had in, in my career. And when you have a team, they rely on you to help them when they're going through that and you don't have the answers (laughs) because it's a shared experience so um I think any business leader will have found that difficult to lead at the moment by example when they're in it themselves I think for mortgage brokers things got busier in actual fact it it tend it sort of closed for the first lockdown you know we only had remortgages that could continue because nobody could view properties nobody could buy properties and then all of a sudden people could and couple that with the stamp duty holiday it was like the only sale that was going on was in the housing market and everyone had that sale mentality. People that were not thinking about moving were sick of their houses and realised they weren't big enough, wanted more space, wanted different space, wanted change. So all of these people that were not planning on moving wanted to move. And not only that, they had to move by a certain time. On the flip side of that, we had delays with solicitors, conveyancing, searches. Everybody was delayed. So for us, it was managing the emotions of the house, of the buyers and the the sellers who really were quite desperate, actually, a lot of them to get this going. I think when you think of the psychology of them, they were at home. This was the biggest thing they had going on. And we knew about it. They'd be ringing us all the time. Um, And we want to manage their expectations. And and it was very desperate for them. That's how they, it was their only focus, really. Um, But couple that with the fact that we can't change some of these delays. It's been really hard to, to manage people's emotions around it, as well as the sheer volume of inquiries that we're getting. 
I think we can all relate to many of the points that Sarah mentioned there. I know personally, having worked from home for the last year and, of course, the last three months having the kiddies at home, it's been really challenging. And especially about the boundaries, there is certainly no end or start date. It doesn't feel to me on where my day starts and ends in relation to sort of work. So really interesting. How about you, Tony? Yes, I think you're right, Claire. I know for myself, in the same way, working from home has certainly been challenging. But I think I think the part about the relatives, you know, just just that family, um, you know, part to, to life that's been missing. So definitely. We spoke to business psychologist Nana F. Wall Lawson and Kate Oliver to learn about some coping strategies to help us through the next few months. Hi, Kate. Hi, Nana. How are you? Good. Pleased to be here. Really good to be here. Hi, Claire. Hi, Tony. Oh, it's lovely. Thank you for joining us today. It's been an interesting 12 months, I think, for for us all. So let's get the ball rolling, if that's okay, with the first question. When when we talk about mental health and and well-being um, for our our listeners, can you briefly explain the difference, Kate, and and how how you would view that? Yeah, absolutely. It's a really good question, Tony. And I I think that the terms are starting to be used quite interchangeably, but I think there are some useful distinctions between them. Um, You know, mental health uh, is very much um, often related to concepts of something that um, is specifically around our sort of emotional and, and psychological health. Um, And I see well-being as being something that's a little bit more all-encompassing. So well-being also encompasses our aspects of our physical health and a more subjective sense of how happy we are, how fulfilled we feel, how much we feel that we're sort of thriving and flourishing in our lives. And I think there's a more uh, proactive um, sense to well-being in in that it's about how we might um, take some active measures to build and boost something. Um, whereas certainly historically, I think mental health, certainly in many people's minds, tends to be very closely related to ideas of people having problems with their mental health and something around a medical diagnosis. Um, now, there's a lot of work being done to change that and to reduce the stigma and for people to realise that there is a continuum of mental health uh, rather than you know it just being something that some people have and some people don't. But I think well-being is often a more helpful concept for people to think in a more all-encompassing and positive way about the things that they might do to be looking after themselves more holistically that will support their physical health as well as their mental health and their, their general sense of just feeling fulfilled by uh, what's going on. Yeah, because, I, I mean, you, you, you point there around the, the sort of mind and body, I guess, there's, there's, a, there's a, a real connection there, isn't there, between the two? And they sort of run in tandem, don't they? It's not just isolated one, one or the other then, is it? Absolutely not. I mean, they, they, they completely overlap. I mean, and interestingly, I was talking with a client yesterday who was um, having a lot of physical health problems um, as a result of, unfortunately, having long COVID. But the manager that she went to speak to very insightfully Um, raised the conversation with her around whether she felt there might also be something around her mental health and well-being going on. Um, And there was, and and that was really helpful for her. And the two often do go hand in hand, but not always. So I think they're sort of overlapping and they feed into each other. Um, But it's useful to to really think about um, both of them together. 
I mean, it is really interesting. And, and I know personally, as a full time working mother, having had two children at home, Tony's got even more than me that he's had at home working. It's, it's certainly put a lot of challenges on myself. And we, we're also hearing from Sarah Tucker, who's the mortgage mum. And she talks very much from a broker perspective of how it's affected her mental health. I mean, what have you seen in work with businesses over the last year through the pandemic? Yes, yes, I'll, I'll take this one. Um, it's been it's been quite interesting, and I think you know, we, one phrase that I've I've used quite a lot uh, with clients has been that we we are we're in the same bo- storm, but actually in different boats. Um, people are experiencing it very differently. Um, there there are obviously commonalities around suddenly the social element of work is taken on a very different format. So we're not necessarily, uh, we're, not, we're not physically in the same space with people. The conversations that we might be having around a water cooler or coffee machine is not happening anymore. Um, and then you've also got the, 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 something that, uh, that the mortgage mum mentioned around that, you know, your, your home is now your work. You know, are you working from home or living at work? And when she mentions the sacred spaces that are, are not there, so that difficulty around the boundaries um, and how people have managed that have been very different. Um, and obviously, there's some support that can come from an organisational standpoint, but it's, it just hits people in very different ways. So I've certainly noticed huge amounts of pressure on people, not only with the new ways of working, but but around you know, how work is structured, back-to-back meetings. And then when, when this first started last year, people were got themselves ready for what I call a sprint. Um, and then we found ourselves in an ultra-long marathon um, of some sort, right? And so that really impacts the, um, the levels of exhaustion. And it's hitting people at different points. So, you know, some people very early on in the lockdown, that exhaustion came in. I had, you know, clients talking about productivity levels not being as great. People who are typically very productive and able to get things done, finding things take them longer. And for some people, it didn't hit them until the third lockdown. Then they just hit a blank wall um, because maybe they took a little break over Christmas and then suddenly it's really hit home. Thank you for that. Re- really interesting. I think um, for, for myself, having worked in financial services for sort of 25 and 30 years, I think actually going to work and, 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 and going into the workplace, obviously that, that's the significant change I think that we've all seen. Now being at home and, and with that different environment, I'm just, I'm just thinking from your experience in, in the journey we've had, what, what approaches have you seen from leaders of, of businesses and companies and how they've responded and changed to, to lockdown? Kate, I wondered if... If you could pick that up um, for me, please. The best leaders, you know, and the, that got the most positive feedback were the ones who were able to combine, you know, a sense of honesty about what was going on um, with a humanity, um, their people. You know, we were all thrown into, you know, huge uncertainty. And I, and I think it's real, a lot of pressure on a leader to feel like they need to know all the answers. And the best leaders actually were able to hold themselves with enough composure um, to steady the system for their people and at the same time to show some vulnerability and to say, this, is, this has really thrown us, we don't know what we're doing. 
and then to combine that with a real humanity and to show care for the people involved. And, you know, a year later, you speak to people, the teams that have fared the best and the people whose uh, well-being is the best and who feel most engaged with their businesses are the ones whose managers have just stayed in touch with them on a personal level where everything hasn't just become about productivity, efficiency. And I think some firms and leaders were really good at that initially and then it kind of tailed off. And just finding out what, how that works for people because I think we know, and we might talk about this later, people have got Zoom and Teams fatigue. So it might not be about having those virtual coffees and lunches, which in the early days people really loved, but it might just be dropping a text to someone. It might be sending them a little card or giving them a phone, have a quick phone call with them just to check how are you doing, how are you getting on. And of course, organisationally, we are starting to see some organisations really realising the toll this has taken, a number of them um, offering staff uh, additional well-being days off. I just uh, earlier um, today saw uh, a meeting, yeah, saw a notification from one organisation um, and the name of it escapes me, who've literally announced that today is a well-being day off for everyone. They've closed uh, the offices, so there will be no emails. Um, and one of my other clients I work with has given three additional days off because I think they realise the ongoing level of fatigue and burnout that people are starting to experience. It's, it is really true. My experience has been very different to maybe someone who's been working on their own the whole time. I mean, how have you seen that this pandemic's affected people differently? I think it's it all depends on people's personal circumstances, I think. And, and also, I think there's an, a good element of one's personality. Um, so you've got, you know, so you've got depending on... Uh, you've seen people perhaps people are sharing homes with with other people and so they're they're kind of confined to their bedrooms to work what does that mean for them or you have people maybe already had private office spaces you've got people who are perhaps furloughed and their partners weren't um so you've got a whole mix of people and and depending on the personality if you've got so for instance i'm talking to some some people who are in sales for instance and a big part of the work they do was going out meeting people they got a huge amount of energy from that people who have that kind of leaning towards extroversion perhaps get a lot a lot of energy from being around other people and they don't anymore so how how do they then manage around that and still manage to keep themselves um, recharged enough to continue on this marathon that we're on, ultra marathon. Yeah, I mean, certainly most of the workers, um, brokers that Tony and I work with would say that they are quite extrovert. And so are we, aren't we, Tony? To do this job that we do, again, we've got to be used to doing that. So so we, I feel like I certainly can understand how those brokers are feeling. Yeah. And I mean, we are too. And I think I found that really hard. It's not just the contact with people, but often for extroverts, it's actually is genuinely about the sort of level of activity and movement. And so just the fact that work has become so static rather than moving around a lot and having that variety of going into different places and travel. And that can actually cause quite a lot of stress and tension build up for people. And I've definitely had to learn how to manage that it doesn't suit me coming and sitting in a room doing all my work that in one little room is not how I would naturally thrive yeah definitely I, th- I think you're absolutely right Kate the you know the a lot of our our listeners are brokers as we mentioned that have had to 
sort of look at, at different ways of working um, as well as ourselves. Um, I think, um, you know, looking at the stress with the housing market, uh, as Sarah mentioned before, um, you know, there's, there's, there's been lots of impacts, I think, in, in the working role. I just wondered if you, for, again, from your experience, whether you, you have any examples of, of coping strategies or techniques that, that perhaps brokers could consider um, and, and link into their normal day-to-day role that would help? Well, actually, I have hundreds, so I'm just wondering what I can say to you that's useful in a couple of minutes. I mean, I guess the first point is something around just that mindset of not just thinking about productivity and efficiency, because actually, you know, it's really possible to just churn things out, do things back to back, but to think about sustainability. And what we know is that for sustained performance, um, a little bit like uh, we now know in the world of physical training, that something like a hit workout is most effective where you have bursts of real energy, but then you have recovery time in between. Really encourage people to find ways to get more of that kind of oscillation into their working day within the working day. So to think about how they can punctuate periods of work with something that gives them either rest or a bit of play. I think a lot of people have got a lot of work now They may or may not have enough rest in the day, but they don't have enough play. So what is it that will give you a little bit of joy, a little bit of respite? And we know that some of the things that universally work are getting outside in the fresh air, particularly in the morning. That will help your sleep as well, getting sunlight early in in the morning, um, getting out in nature. There are simple breathing techniques that people can easily find on the internet that are really effective in just a couple of minutes at sort of calming you down and resetting you. So whatever it is that's going to nourish you and punctuate your day with breaks, because previously that's what they'd have had. They'd have been traveling between clients. They might have gone and popped into a coffee shop. They might have looked at something on their phone, had a bit of a rest. And now it's easy to think I can schedule everything back to back. Uh, but people will burn themselves out by doing it. Um, so being kind to yourself and, and just, uh, you know, allowing some of that sort of better rhythm into your days. I think I think on that on that note, you know, that piece on being kind to yourself. When I said people beating themselves up because there's something that they could have done in a minute and they've now taken a week to do it, is that kind of really recalibrating with yourself? what is possible. And sometimes it's okay to just sit there and do nothing. That's also okay. So so not beating ourselves up and also understanding what are our natural rhythms. Some people, you know, Kate is a morning person. I'm an, a late afternoon, evening type person. You know, I'm more productive at that point. So I'll put some meetings in there and do some other things to kind of recalibrate in the morning. So really that thing back in the day when we used to get on planes, remember those days, yeah? Um, when they gave us that safety briefing on, you know, you've got to put your own oxygen mask on first before you help anyone else. And to do that, you've got to understand yourself, your rhythms and what will work for you and be kind to yourself. However, however you're doing, it's okay. There is no perfect way to do this because it's unprecedented and we're all new to this, yeah. And, and don't forget to ask for support. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. We're going to have, you know, people listening who, you know, some will work for a larger corporation or firm. And so, of course, potentially will have people in HR that they can turn to for support. And we have a lot of brokers who, of course, are just, you know, maybe just themselves, maybe one person with an administrator 
Uh, and again, that's difficult, isn't it, to know where do you turn to sometimes if you need some extra help and support. Um, any suggestions on what they can do, you know, maybe if you don't have somebody like that? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of really good free support resources out there right now. A couple that I could signpost people to is... Um, one which is developed by the NHS. So if people just put into a search, NHS, every mind matters, you get a simple quiz um, and it produces a mind plan for you. It, and it gives you lots of different self-care um, suggestions. And for those who might be experiencing more severe difficulties, it really clearly um, signposts and flags you to further support. And if people really do feel that they are having um, a more significant uh, mental health issue, then I recommend that they go to the website of MIND, um, the National Mental Health Charity, because there's an awful lot of free resources and support there. Thank you both very much. Very helpful. Yeah, really appreciate your time today. Thank you. That was Nana Efwa Lawson and Kate Oliver. The views expressed by our external guests in this podcast are their opinions only and do not reflect the views of Barclays. If there's a subject that you'd like us to explore, then please email us at mortgageinsider at acast.com. I'm Claire McPhail. And I'm Tony Rimmer. Thanks for listening and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.